0: Welcome to JP Morgan TV. I'm Bruce Kasman. With me this week is Joseph P. Lupton. Hey Joe, how you doing?
1: Uh, I'm hanging in there, Bruce. It's a beautiful <laughs> sunny day here in New York.
0: Okay. So let's let's hang in there and talk about what's going on. And um I guess the I guess the way I would just start it is, well, got some more of the same here in terms of uh positive momentum on growth indicators. Um Surprisingly high side inflation readings, and the question is, as we accumulate this, you know how much does it affect the central bank stories and we've made some changes this week, so why don't we unpack that just starting with uh, the growth side of the equation? go ahead, Joe
1: <laughs> all right, pick up anywhere anyway. uh, look I think uh from a global perspective the uh the news of the week was the um uh the flash PMI's that came out. I think last week we were um, flagging that we were looking for a nice move up that would complement the moves we saw beginning in um, December and and January. And that actually played out as expected. So we got a a pretty good move up in the DM, developed market flash PMI's. Uh, I think the, the, the picture where we've seen, where we've been somewhat concerned is in the manufacturing sector. We've just been a very, that's the one soft spot that Has been holding things back as we move to the to the turn of the year and we're seeing signs that those the pmis were sending a positive constructive signal there the dm flash pmi says that continued into february next week we'll be getting the the full set of pmis and i think uh you know there too we should really look to asia because if if there's one kind of still sore point it's that the asian data this week manufacturing data was on the top side
0: let me jump in there. So I, I, I think you know from where I sit, the, the European rise is impressive. The US story is more about taking out what was a really depressing service sector reading. But then when you look at the manufacturing sector, we got improving uh, output index, but still pretty weak dynamics and in orders inventories. And then you gotta like cross-reference that against the Asian data um which is and it's awesome just not weak. it's which is generally weak so it's not just it's not clear how strong and how quick is the turn in terms of timing going to be in in global manufacturing i mean, where do you think we actually feel better today than we felt last friday when we talked about this i mean how, how would you kind of <laughs> tie it That's, up
1: well i feel better uh Well, I don't know, Bruce. I mean, I don't feel better about the world (laughs) because I think, writ large, right, because I think the one thing we haven't talked about is the fact that the inflation news keeps coming in hot. No, no, no. I
0: was just, I'm now just trying to stay narrowly on the manufacturing sector. Oh, I see.
1: Right. So there, um, I I guess better- It's a tough call. It's a
0: tough call, It is
1: a tough call because on the one hand, we take Asia as the leading edge and- I shouldn't say all the data was bad. The trade numbers coming out of Asia do look like they're turning up. But, uh, you know, the actual activity numbers and we got a, a January reading from Taiwan that was just downright ugly. And it's adding to kind of ugly numbers from Korea and Japan's not looking great. And you're hearing anecdotes of supply chain pressures in the auto sector from from Japanese auto producers. So all of that kind of paints a, a fairly downbeat message. But if you're just asking me if you're saying I have to come up positive or negative, I, I think I'm feeling better simply because the, the surveys are, are turning up and, and we really should stand by those. They sent the right signal through the fourth quarter that things were going to get bad. They did get bad. I think that we're seeing things turn. I'll stand by the PMIs and and, uh, say things are going to turn here. Next week's PMIs for Asia will be important because those actually have not really seen the lift that we've seen elsewhere.
0: I'm going to let you in a moment channel your concerns about the inflation data, but just let me have a segue there just for a second, just to make the point that we did have a pretty robust uh, US consumption uh, gain in Jan, and we're kind of comfortable discounting a good part of that. But I think the dynamic of the... Uh, size of that in terms of offsetting the uh, negative momentum at the end of the year, the strength of labor income, which was revised up significantly, um, yes, the saving rate moved up, and in some circumstances, you might look at that as a behavioral negative, but I think in the context of stronger income and um, rising confidence, I think you got to look at that. In that space, as a a plus, I I
1: think I think to the extent that the consumer was still able to stay resilient and ends the year with what now looks like a saving rate that's closer to five percent, you know, I, you know, that that withering of the excess savings story just got a huge kind of fill up, and you'd say there's kind of more fuel in the tank there. Um, Yeah, and I
0: think the basic point here is we can debate how much is noise and how much signal. I don't think you can lose sight of the fact that there's a signal here that things are just not that weak, you know, whether it's whether it's a, a, an underlying growth rate that's that's stable around a sluggish pace or whether it's accelerating and it's actually going to surprise us with strength, we can debate that, but it's nowhere near in a vicinity of sitting here thinking we might be kind of breaking at this at this point in time. And it's in that backdrop which I want to then get all your range of emotions as you channel what the inflation news was this week. So why don't you just jump well, off there? Look,
1: I think there's there's two ways to come at uh, the the kind of angle of something breaking. Right. So the, the obvious one is that we've seen, you know, inflation uh, continue to surprise to the upside. We got a stronger reading uh, on core inflation in the US. We also got a stronger reading in in Europe. Uh, against a backdrop of growth show, proving much more resilient, fundamentals looking strong. All of that really plays into this narrative of this scenario that we've talked about, this kind of boiling the frog scenario, that central banks are going to have to do a lot more to take steam out of the economy. And, and therefore, to the extent this isn't just U.S. anymore, but Europe is also playing a role, that this could be a synchronized tightening that starts to build over the course of the second half of the year. And then you get a a deeper kind of, uh, kind of longer recession, global recession. So that's, that's certainly uh, a big part of the concern that came out this week.
0: Yeah. And we've, um, made some changes to the central bank call. So we, we we come into the March meetings without changing our forecast for anybody's move at the March meeting, which means we've got 50 from the ECB forecast. So we got 25 from the Bank of England. We got 25 from the Fed. Uh, we got 25 from uh, Norge's Bank, uh, RBA, I believe, as well. Uh, but as we think about central banks processing what you just described, it has an impact on our are thinking about how much further we go, and this whole idea of a pause and having um, central banks extend the cycle starts to become a pretty significant theme here. So, yeah, um,
1: I mean the one, I the, the one thing bringing it back to the the very near term here, it does beg the question of something we started to talk about last week on this call was you know, does the Fed have to do more than 25 here? You know, the infl- yep. we, you talked about inflation. If inflation comes in strong, would a February report be enough? Uh, you know, looking at the January news, you might say, is that enough? Uh, you yep. know, I think the sense is that January feels like it's got some noise in it uh, and that that puts a lot more weight on the February data. But uh, I'm not sure if your view has shifted on that uh, in the last week.
0: No, not at all. And, I, and I'd and i actually even like to kind of bring it back to a deeper point, which we've been hitting on, um, you know, as we've gone through this conversation, is that as much as central banks have moved pretty aggressively here, we're still describing them as New Testament deities. They're still generally, you, you know, the New Testament. There's only
1: one do. deity in the New Testament. <laughs> Apparently you need a so, brushing up on that.
0: <laughs> I definitely do. The
1: New Testament's not my
0: strong forte, but um, the um, the basic point is they're moving uh, and they're moving from what they they uh, belatedly understood was way too accommodated. But they're not trying to take us down here. They're trying to find that space where they could uh, slow growth enough, let inflation unwind in some of these temporary factors, and hopefully get us uh, to a place where they're they're comfortable. Uh, that's what the downshift that we're seeing is about. Yeah, and, I mean, they're you know, looking
1: for, sticking with the theological uh, tone, they're looking for that immaculate disinflation, right? And uh, <laughs> that has been... Uh, we're really moving uh, along the Bible in different places here, <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah, they're looking for that, but
0: then the question is, um, is there a point at which they, they have to flip the switch and say, okay, we're just not going to get this, and then they start to be vengeful, they start to... To look more like an, an old testament uh, deity. And I know there's only one of those two. But you're uh, sure
1: about that. That
0: one I'm sure about. Uh the um the question you're asking, I think in some sense is about that divide. Because I do think if the Fed would decide to go 50, unless they couch it in a very, you know, odd way that they're going 50 and that's enough, which I can't see that happening. But if they go 50 in, in March. Then they have to be really signaling us that that's going to be followed up by more moves. So they're going to be signaling to the market. They're they're going to start to approach they, six six they percent. 6%, 6%.
1: Bruce, they don't. I mean, they could yeah, say they, we just need to recalibrate and we need to recalibrate a little bit higher. We still think we can do this and thread the needle. Uh, so many mixed metaphors going on here, uh, and and get the soft landing. Right, that's uh, fair, Joe. But it, I don't think you could
0: come out of the. I don't think you could come out of the March meeting without having a forecast that you're going to do, I'd say one two two more moves at least personally we'll see mm-hmm. so if you're going to go fifty then you're already shooting to five seventy five as a peak rate right that's yeah. my point that that becomes a fairly significant step upward from where where you were and it actually starts to to raise more fundamental questions about what the Fed intention is um, yeah. and that's I mean, one reason I don't think they're going to where- gonna,
1: It comes back to where I started, which is what's the what's the trigger to get them to do 50?
0: Well, I think if we have. I I mean, it's hard because I think it's both about the the response to the data and it's also about whether the Fed is willing to go over that line, I think. Uh, I think if you're running three hundred thousand plus on payrolls, if the unemployment rate stays at three, four or lower, if you get uh, higher than a point three on core inflation readings, Uh, And the retail sales report doesn't step back alongside some of the other data in a way that kind of really does raise questions about January. The issue is going to be that you're no longer um, debating whether the economy is going into recession on the growth side, but you're debating whether the economy is accelerating. And if you're debating whether the economy is accelerating with a, a run rate on inflation that's still sitting in the mid fours instead of the low threes, Uh, You know, I think it's it's I think it's an interesting debate as to whether you just want to keep on the 25 and and signal more or whether you want to say, okay, we need to take another step here, which obviously has a has a a message behind it. I'm still in the 25 camp, but I'm certainly more nervous than I'd I'd like to be. Mike, I know, is is in the 25 camp uh, as well.
1: I mean, the one thing that makes me think you know certainly keeps me in the 25 camp and it's it's prospective I don't know is that is to look at January I said noisy but I think there's a sense that one the cons- on the consumer side there's just some bounce back after two very weak quarters there's also a the, a lot of income came in in January and you could yep. come back uh, you know off that I also think on the pricing side you know I'm wondering as you're seeing a lot of these large January readings whether there are companies out there that have made changes at the start of the year, and then that's going to start to start to fade, uh, which, as, as we keep saying, makes that February reading all the more important. So I'm willing to fade January. But, boy, February is going to be a breaking point if, uh, if you don't see something cooling. Well,
0: that's the important point. And that's where yep. I think the interesting wrinkle on that is that as much as we can all play with uh, our thoughts about seasonality in January, the pmis are not that seasonal and they were up we have a february reading right now for them well
1: but here bruce i would say the pmis are aren't pointing to the a need for an old testament central bank right the pmis are kind of you know they're 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 getting better certainly the manufacturing yes it's getting better but we don't want to lose sight of the fact that the level is still low on that the i totally agree with bad. you but
0: i'm 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 thinking about it less from a level but more from a momentum point of view that you're continuing to carry whatever momentum is in the business surveys through February claims, which again, you can raise questions about the seasonality. You can raise questions of whether there's a lot of severance payments out there that are keeping claims depressed, but we're not talking about January anymore. We're talking about data that goes into, um, into February. So this is where it gets, it gets interesting. And of course, as you're saying, it's all going to be resting on what we actually see in the February prints. We should say before we finish that we did add, uh, both an ECB and a Bank of England tightening to our, our our forecast this this week, and you know perhaps importantly in that regard, made important revisions to Euro area inflation and Bank of in e- UK growth. We no longer have a UK recession in the first half of 2023. That's that's pretty you know kind of significant changes for that. For that yeah. outlook in, 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 a, in an economy which that's the one central bank which is actually talking about their economy being in recession so that's yeah. a that's a pretty decent shift there um you know let me just ask i'll let you kind of have the last word i probably won't but i'll at least say that <laughs> that you know where is it that you kind of see the anything about trouble in the near term is there something that's bothering you in terms of uh, either the movements in financial markets or something going on uh, in any of the data we haven't talked about that that kind of gives you some some reason to, to express some concern.
1: I, I mean, be, beyond that, we've talked about the manufacturing sector being a potential sore point, and particularly not seeing that turn in Asia. I think of things we didn't talk about yet. I mean, look the the tightening we, the tightening financial conditions broadly, but I think the uh, lending standards uh, those were something that I actually think went in the other direction of everything seemed to get better over the last six weeks, those actually got worse and we're already fairly bad. So when we look across senior loan officer surveys across the G4, all of them showed tightening both to households and to businesses. If you look at the way those things have moved, they are moving in a way that would be consistent with the start of a recession. The only time you've seen them move like that are in recessions. And uh, we're, 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 Obviously, we're not there, right? We've lowered the odds of near-term recession, but that's belied by the, these uh, senior loan officer surveys. So I, I'm kind of wondering what's what's going on there, and if that is uh, kind of a, a lead for something that could be breaking here.
0: Okay, I'll I'll let us end on that note. Um, and uh... amen, <laughs> amen. <laughs> okay, don't push your luck, Joe. Uh... So thanks, everybody, for listening in. Um, as we kind of made this point, we're not getting the Fed data next week, but the week after is when we really start. Well, we do get the BMI's next week, yeah. the employment reports the following week, and we're going to really start to enter a pretty interesting phase of marking the, uh, the outlook in terms of how central banks are thinking as, as well as how we are. So we'll leave it there. Thanks, everybody, for listening in and hope to be able to continue this conversation next week again on Morgan TV.